0: And that's the story we want to be known for sharing. God's love and how he can transform even the most hard of hearts or difficult or impossible of situations. I know that in my own experience and I know a lot of you have had experiences just the same, seeing how the gospel, the good news about Jesus and his way of life has revolutionized everything about you and set you on a new path. If you haven't had that experience, encourage you to take a step forward toward God today um, and get to know his love. So we're talking about living generously this month and what it means to be generous-hearted, what it means to give the way that Jesus gave, to love the way that Jesus loved. Okay, so over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at that through some different lenses. Two weeks ago, we started with compassionate generosity, which is the, the reaction that we have to seeing need that we want to be like the Good Samaritan was in the parable, where the need was there in front of him, and he immediately stepped outside of his own agenda, his own plan for the day, and he started serving. He started caring about the person. Then we talked last week about lifestyle generosity. And that's not reactive, that's proactive, where we'd say, now, as a way of living, I want to be a giver. And so I'm actually planning ahead of time to be generous i'm planning ahead of time to give i think about some of the categories of giving that are possible a lot of times our mind jumps right to money and i mean that's appropriate money is something we can give easily but there are other things you can give you can give your time you can give your energy you can give thanks you can give encouragement you can give counsel you can give prayer Um, you might even give connections to someone or give opportunities to someone give someone a second chance there's lots of ways that you can have a generous heart and give And in all of those ways, uh, we would say, Lord, help us to be like you. The fact that our world is full of needs just means to us the world is full of opportunities to give, to be generous. So today we're going to add to our lexicon here of styles of giving, approaches to giving. Before we do, just remember why we would talk about this. Why is it so important to think about generosity? Um, Ultimately, it's because we're mirroring our lives after God himself. Right? And we know that God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. And in the same way, we follow him. We say, Lord, we want to give. We want to give the best of what we have. We want to use our lives not just for their own benefit, like not just for us. Instead, we want to turn around and become literally channels of blessing to other people. Lord, as you give to us, help us to give to others. So generosity helps us keep perspective on that. I I think generosity also helps us enjoy our work because we realize we're not just working for our own good. The more that we work, the more we produce, the more we have to share. And uh, that can add a lot of joy even to mundane tasks that we have to accomplish. Uh, Generosity helps us extend God's love. It's actually the way that we do that. God has loved us so much. How do we love the next person? Well, we're generous. We think my life is not just to serve myself anymore. I want to serve this other person. And those expressions of love make your Christian life, your Christian experience, come alive because that's when you're actually acting like Jesus. So in our lexicon of terms, we've got compassionate giving, we have lifestyle giving. Here's the next one, strategic giving. Okay, that's when I think about completing our mission rather than only contributing to good things. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Love Languages book? A lot of times when you're married you read that or whatever and you find out different people are motivated by different things. Some people's love language is gift giving. Other people, they need words of encouragement. I have a love language that's not listed in the book. My love language is strategic planning. Man, who's with me on that? Isn't it fun to have strategy? Isn't it fun to know why you're doing what you're doing? I love that, all right? So if you're not motivated by that, you'll have to bear with my excitement for the next few minutes. Uh, because this is this is what I love to think about and that's why strategic giving to me I light up and go wow tell me more because of course I want to be a compassionate giver I want to give as a matter of lifestyle and obedience to God but I actually want to know that something good is happening as a result of the giving right? I want to feel like it's strategic somehow that it's accomplishing a purpose that the mission that God has for life is being you know in some tiny way completed because of what i'm getting to contribute so to start that discussion i'd like you to turn in the bible to second corinthians chapter five. Second corinthians 5 is when the apostle paul is essentially defending his ministry people in the church of corinth were hearing lots of different voices lots of competing narratives out there not all that different than now and they were essentially asking paul hey why should we listen to you And Paul was saying, well, not only was I the person that brought the gospel your way, and, you know, God has commissioned me, God has given me this task um, to share. So here we read a little bit of that defense of him saying why we should listen to him. But in reading that, we also read a little mirror back about our own job description as a Christian. Okay, so chapter 5, verse 17, we'll pick it up there. After talking about the Gospel and talking about the joy of knowing Jesus and what it means to step into eternity, what it means to count on eternity instead of just this temporal world and this temporal body, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Hey, and anybody who has a Christian testimony, you you know about this, right? You'd say, that's the good news. The good news is not just that there are facts about the Bible or the gospel that I need to know. The good news is that change is actually possible, that I can be made a new person because of God's love and grace, because of what Jesus did on the cross and when he rose from the dead, that changes me. Lord, that's good news. So I, I look at that and I say, wow, there's the, that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're living for, that new life that begins uh, when Jesus takes a hold of us. But then look at verse 18. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. This is where our job description comes into play. Jesus changes you. He transforms you from the inside out. Your life is new. Your eternity is secure. You have hope in your life, and your soul again. But it's not supposed to stop with you. Now you get to become one who reconciles other people with God. Now, when you reconcile people, you bring the parties together and you help them reconnect, right? Well, God is already willing, so we don't have to bring God along for the ride. It's, our job is to go find people and bring them to God. God is willing to do the same kind of work in their life that he did in your life, and your job is to represent that. Okay? So we continue on, verse 19. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. So the good news that your life can be transformed, the good news that God will come near to you, that good news is in your hands as one of the ambassadors for Christ in this world so if someone is going to hear about Jesus who are they going to hear about Jesus from one of us right one of the ambassadors is going to represent the truth to that person Uh, one of the things that we're doing is going to be what reaches out to that person in love we get to be the representatives the ambassadors of Jesus in this world we get to share his light with other people so think about that title for a second think about yourself you as an ambassador and now let me ask you an obvious rhetorical question do you think you should take that job seriously and have a plan to accomplish it or do you think you should just sort of let things roll and see what happens I think we should take it seriously right if we're ambassadors for the King of Kings like that would mean something right that means that we should take that office seriously and the role that that affords to us so that's where I think strategic giving comes into play and why we would start a discussion about strategic giving with one of my favorite things strategic planning hey because before we know what to give to Before we know how to express generosity in a way that adds up to something, we have to know what are we trying to add everything up to? What is the mission in front of us? How do we actually operate as an ambassador of the gospel in a world that needs it? So we're going to do a little bit of strategic planning right here in church today. And I know some of you are busting at the seams with excitement, but not all of you. Okay, right, thank you, all right, so. Um, so just here we go all right what will it take to complete our mission hey there's lots of expressions throughout the Bible of what that mission is one of the most common and one that we use here quite a bit is the Great Commission we find that in Matthew 28 19 and 20 here's the Great Commission Jesus was looking at his disciples right before he left this world he gave them his essentially final commandment the final words that they needed to hear now that they had the truth in their hands now that they had been discipled by Jesus himself He says, now I'm handing something to you, your job. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. So you said, I've been given this great authority by God. I've been given this power, this trust, this responsibility. Now I'm sharing it with you. In the same way that I turned you into a disciple, your job is to go make more disciples. In the same way that I poured into you this new kind of life, go pour that kind of life into other people. Go multiply what you saw me do throughout the world. Now, in the Bible, when the word nation comes up, usually what's not being imagined is like our idea of political lines on a map. Nations in the Bible typically mean people groups. So you say, go make disciples of all the people groups on earth, all kinds of people who live everywhere. That's the target, everybody. And your job is not just to show them something. Your job is to actually bring them on the journey with you so that in the same way your life is transformed, their lives will be, and the good will multiply across the world and literally change everything. Okay? So that's the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15 is a retelling of that from a, a different author. It says very simply, go and preach the gospel to every person. It says everybody everywhere needs access to the gospel. So that's our Christian mission in summary. right, um, and, and all of us have benefited from that mission because we're here right now. So someone before us made a disciple who made a disciple who eventually resulted in you hearing about Jesus and this church starting in this place and all of us now here talking about the Great Commission like so we're part of a line that goes back in time we're also part of something that's supposed to go forward in time but that depends on us whether we'll stick with the plan whether we'll live with intentionality okay so in a strategic plan once you've identified your top-line mission Which we say, okay, it's to make disciples of all nations, to pass on what Jesus gave to the next generation. Well, then we say, well, what would add up to that mission being complete? And here's where you mathematicians get to have a little fun with strategic planning because actually when you make a strategic plan, whether it's for a business or your family or a church or whatever it is, a strategic plan is actually a little bit like a big math problem. Because you're looking at the mission and you're saying, what would we have to do to add up to the mission being accomplished? That's really all it is. So typically, you identify what are the big categories, what are the goals that we would have to set. And if we could say, man, we hit all those goals, well, then we accomplished our mission. That's a good strategic plan. So let's think about the Great Commission as a strategic plan, as the top line. What would we have to do? In this year 2022 to be able to say hey the Great Commission has been completed Hey, I've got four goal areas the first one is that there would have to be clear gospel access for every people group on earth right if we're gonna make disciples of all the nations then that means that every nation needs some disciples made so every people group on earth would need access to the gospel so do you have access to the gospel like does our people group right here have access to the gospel yes okay Um, could you even maybe extend that out and say does our community like the people group that live around us do they have access sure is that true everywhere on earth right now does every person on earth does every community every people group have access to the gospel like they could find it if they wanted to not actually Um, there are vast swaths of the human population that today Don't have gospel access for a variety of reasons. Some of them are political. There are some countries that are completely closed off and hostile to Christianity. And so many of the people who grow up in those countries never meet a Christian, never hear anything about the gospel. There are also language groups that don't have the Bible translated into their own language. So their gospel access is limited at best. Um, there are also people who live in sub-communities, even in countries where you'd say, well, maybe they have the freedom to talk about the gospel, but somehow in that subcommunity, no one is really sharing Jesus. So certainly there are people, groups, around the world that need gospel access. So if we're going to accomplish our top-line mission, we have to address that, right? Goal area one. Here's goal area two. A life-giving church in every neighborhood of every nation. So if everyone's going to become a disciple, the church doesn't really have anything to do with buildings in this context, and it's not even about organizations that we would say, oh, that's like a church organization. This is just groups of Christians who are following Jesus. Every neighborhood would need a group like that in order to make disciples in that neighborhood. So the next part of our plan would be, okay, does the people group have access? Next level, does everyone, does every neighborhood inside of that people group have a life-giving church? If not, then that would be something we have to address in our plan. Then the third goal is every person in each neighborhood experiencing God's love and hearing about Jesus. So you might have you know, gospel access in that group, you might have a wonderful church nearby, but could there still be people who actually have not gotten the memo? People who really don't know any Christians personally, people who no one has reached out to. Could that be the case even in Berrien Center, Berrien Springs, Berrien County? What do you think? Sure, there are people around us that we would drive by their homes or we would see them at the gas station or you'd sit next to them at school that actually no one has really ever sat down and said, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the transformation that's possible when you follow him. There might be people who feel completely unloved and disconnected from anything related to God. So in our community, we would say, well, wow, goal three, like we would have to say right now, some people in each neighborhood probably have been touched by God's love but not everyone, which means our mission is not yet complete even here, even where we would say there's actually a lot of Christians around us. There's still lots of work to do. By the way, in Berrien County, more than 50% of the population are not attached to any kind of church. So it's very possible that that's a surprise to you because most of the people that you and I know are attached to a church because here we are among our friends, right? But if you think about by neighborhood, by region, there are even big groups of people right around us that actually don't have any real living connection to the gospel And then the fourth goal area would be we need more Christians to take the first three goals seriously and personally because this is not a task that any one of us can take on and say we're gonna do it like we need to mobilize our team here and we all work together to complete the Great Commission so that mission the big mission we take those four goals, if we accomplish those four goals, then we could look to Jesus and say, Jesus, we've done what you told us to do in this world. We've made disciples of all the nations. Right now, that job is not done. Okay, so the next thing that a strat planner would do is they would say, well, let's look at those goals and start talking about where the needs are. Like it's not, not just the high level, but now getting a little more granular. What people groups need the gospel today? That'd be an important question to ask, right? Not just to say uh, not everybody has it but like specifically where are they let's go find them let's get them access uh, what neighborhoods need churches so you might look around and say well you know may- maybe say like right here in this neighborhood for right now there doesn't need to be another one but could we go a few miles down the road and find a group that likely wouldn't come here for church that needs one well we probably could you could also go to places around the world where you could walk for miles and miles and not find any other Christians, and so there would be a, they would need a lot of churches to be planted in those places. Um, who in my neighborhood or community needs a touch of God's love to hear about Jesus? So you get really specific, and you actually think about your circle of influence. Say, well, the, the literal neighbors I have, like the houses around me, have they, have they felt God's love through us somehow? Um, Or the people that I'm going to work with like do they know I'm a Christian have I offered them an opportunity? To hear about Jesus through me is there some way I could do that So you start thinking more down in like an action planning level because now you understand I know what I'm I know what I'm trying to accomplish overall And I have a part to play in this and then who else could I invite to be a part of the mission with me? So a good strategic planner will look at each goal area and ask how much of this do we need and how can it happen? So I thought we would practice just a little bit, kind of warm up your thinking, because then I want to release you this week to go do some strategic giving yourself. All right? So just thinking globally first, right? So goal area one, every people group needs access to the gospel. So let's look for a second at the part of the world where most people live and are being born. The highest concentration of human beings live in this picture, right? So China, India, those South Asian nations around that, that's the part of the world other than Central Africa that's growing dramatically um, and that's the part of the world where the, the more people don't know about Jesus than do so you could find whole communities you might even be able to identify whole nations on that map where either being a Christian is somehow outlawed um, or culturally very difficult for people and you would be able to find language groups and people groups and tribes and villages where literally no Christians Are there at all and so you'd say wow if we're going to reach the world if we're going to accomplish the Great Commission in our generation we'll have to pay a lot of attention to the people in that picture Okay, then we could zoom down right and this is where you would this is where a lot of like missionary activity comes into play you zoom down into one specific place or one specific people group and you say here's a need we've identified Here's one group that needs the gospel or one place that needs a new church planting movement or one leader that we're going to train to help go reach the people. Um, and so as you think about missions, you're, it's all boiling down to like, what's the, next, what's the next target on the map? What's the next checkbox on the checklist towards seeing everyone everywhere have access to the gospel and then feeling God's love um, themselves? Okay, let me show you another place you might be more familiar with. A lot of people live here too, uh, here in our corner of North America. And we would say this people group, all the people that live there, I mean, there are millions of people in the, under that picture, right? Um, most of them, we would say, goal one is accomplished. Most of them have access to the gospel as a people group. But I would ask you, if you were to zoom down one level to goal two, does every neighborhood have a life-giving church? That's where we'd say, well, I mean, we're, We've got a higher concentration of that kind of thing than most places in the world, but are are we growing as a Christian movement in our region? I think maybe statistically, we're just barely holding our ground. There's probably a lot of room to grow, to start more churches or more groups that can reach more kinds of people. And so we might look around us and we'd say, well, in every corner of Berrien County, we want to make sure that people have ready access to the gospel so that they can become a disciple if they want to. They can follow Jesus if they want to. And you and I get to be the ambassadors there in that place. You could zoom down one more level to go 3 and say, "Well, how about in my actual neighborhood, like my actual block, my street, are the people there, the people who live there, do they have access to the gospel? Have they felt God's love from me or from someone else?" If not, that starts to fill in some mission for us, right? So you say, I'm willing to be a strategic giver, but where? Well, this is how we find out where. Start looking across the world and say, where are the needs? Might not have to go very far before you find one. Okay, then we think about goal four, mobilizing more Christians to take action on all this. We can look right here. We say, all right, here we are. Will we take the Great Commission seriously and personally? We say, Lord, I realize I have a part to play in this world hearing about your love, and just like someone made a disciple of me, I realize my job is to help make a disciple of someone else to keep that chain going forward. All right, so there you, there you have it. Strategic planning in a nutshell there for the Great Commission. Here's a couple ideas just to kind of plant seeds in your mind about how this might look for you. I think it can look different for each one of us. Uh, you might identify an unreached people group in the world that uh, you could target your prayers attention and giving toward so when I was about 13 I remember National Geographic sent a map of India to my house and I hung it up on my wall as a kid and around that time my church was talking a lot about missions and the you know Great Commission and so I remember thinking like I'm gonna start praying for India Lord, would you give me opportunities to make a difference there, even though I I don't know anyone there. I'm a 13-year-old kid in Ohio, have no connection to India. Uh, But I I started finding, you know, different mission agencies that were doing neat things in that country, and so I would send money. Sometimes I'd work extra hours so that i have something to send. Uh, I'd start praying for India. Um, You know, as time went on, I started to meet people from India, kind of pay closer attention, because I think, hey, this is a part of the world like it's on my heart for making an impact in What's really amazing is that as you go forward with that kind of thinking, God starts opening up more and more doors, answering your prayer, giving you opportunities to be a part of things. So for me, one of my focus areas throughout my life has been that there are vast numbers of unreached people in India, whole communities that still need their first Christian church, um, and many, many practical humanitarian needs there as well. So for me, that's occupied a lot of my own of strategic giving attention because I say Lord you know there's all sorts of things to do in the world would you lead me to the one that I can make a difference in and and the Lord's given me some really neat opportunities to be a part of mission there you might have a different people group in mind that somehow you have a connection into or maybe you need to find one of those okay so that's just one area that would be like the goal area number one type of thinking could drop down a level goal two, be a part of planting churches and neighborhoods or groups that need to be reached Um, And so that might be where you'd say, hey, you know, we do all we can to support and care for this church. We want it to thrive, but this isn't the end of the story. This is supposed to just be the beginning. So, Lord, where do you want me to share your love with others? What group could I start? What different people group could I reach? Could I be a part of something that would multiply your kingdom? Uh, We don't want to just hold ground. We want to always think about how we multiply. Uh, Consider which people in your neighborhood still need the gospel. How could you reach out to them. One thing Melissa and I have done, we've lived in a few places since we've been married, and we've always kind of had this thought of like, we want to be ready to respond to the needs of our neighbors. We want to care about our neighbors, but we also don't want to be like really cheesy and weird about sharing our faith with them. I mean, right? It's kind of a strange dynamic when you think about that. So we're always just, we have our radar up saying, Lord, how do we, how do we reach people? A few months ago, um, a lady knocked on our door from a few doors down and where we live, there's like a foresty area and there's houses we really can't see. So this was a person we didn't even know they lived there. We just knew there was a driveway that led into the forest. So this lady had such a deep need in her life that she had actually gotten to the point of desperation and was knocking on her neighbor's doors asking for help to meet this need. No church family, not a lot of other connections around. Just think wow, how like how lonely that would be, um, but as soon as she was there, like Melissa realized, she, Melissa got to open the door for this lady, not me. This is the kind of opportunity that we're praying for, right? I mean, here's a lit- I mean, usually you think, how do I go initiate a conversation? The, they were actually coming to us, um, so we were able to help that lady meet her need a little bit, but also start start a friendship, make connections. We want to be light in our area because we don't want to just be thinking big picture like wow the world out there needs to change when there are people literally right next door or like some of you students there there's probably kids like riding the bus next to you or sitting at lunch next to you that have desperate needs like that you could meet as a Jesus representative as an ambassador for God all you'd have to do is say hey that's my job Lord how can I do it how can I take action Uh, some of us go to work with people every day that there could be so many open doors if we just decide to take our role seriously and personally. Okay, and then who could you invite to join you in engaging with the mission? It's always a fun question to ask. Okay, this is not about the amount of time, talent, or treasure you can give. So this is not one of those things where you say, oh, man, I'm already so busy. There's no way I could fit another thing in. This isn't another thing. This layer, this is just part of everything that you would do. You're always saying, my, my identity is an ambassador for Jesus, whether I'm, a sports team or I'm working late tonight or I'm doing housework at home or wherever I am I'm always an ambassador so Lord would you help me shine light wherever I am and uh, and then every Christian I think can actually be a part of all four strategic goals don't limit yourself don't say I don't I don't have any connections and internationally or whatever I wouldn't even know what to do just start praying for God to give you opportunity you'll be amazed at how he will engage you how he'll give you a mission inside of the Great Commission it just starts with your heart being willing to become a strategic giver okay so what are you involved in today that you believe will help complete part of the mission Um, the answer to that might be the first aspect in which you're a strategic giver not just reacting to needs we still want to do that we still want to just be compassionate even when it doesn't quite add up but when it comes to the bulk of our lives and how we move forward for the gospel and how we make our lives count we want to be a part of things that add up to the mission of Jesus being accomplished Okay, so here's the challenge for the week, uh, to walk away with, to pray about, Lord, what is my mission this week inside the Great Commission? I don't think that this strategic giving question means that you spend a whole, like you answer it and then your whole lifetime is just about that. Um, It just means that your thinking is a little bit more oriented toward the end goal not just toward whatever you're doing that day. So you say, Lord, I I want to be a part of this this week. Here's how I'll, here's how I'll contribute. Here's how I'll be a part of your the expansion of your kingdom in the world, sharing good news with other people. And Lord, as my life goes on, I want to keep growing in that. Um, so I would encourage you to pray this thought, to take this challenge, and do it in faith, and believe that God can use you, even if you'd say my life's not all in order right now. Not everything adds up for me. I feel like I'm a beginner. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. That's okay. That's how all the disciples felt when they started. But Jesus used them to change the world. He can use you too. All right, let's pray. Let's ask for his help as we set out to do this. So, Lord, we are um, thankful that you have given us opportunities. Opportunities to share, to love, to be a part of important things. And Lord, you've also clearly outlined for us in the Bible what we're supposed to be about. Regardless of our career path or our interests, we all share a common mission. And Lord, it's to that mission that we want to dedicate the best of ourselves. Would you give us the clarity of mind to know where we should begin, to identify the person around us that needs your love, to see in what ways you want us to be an ambassador right here right where we live lord would you also bring to our mind some of the places that need your love that right now aren't being reached groups of people neighborhoods subgroups at school or work lord would you even expand our thinking globally point point out to us on the map where we should target our attention and our prayer and our giving Would you give us a mind that matches yours, Lord, that you see this world full of potential, full of people, many sheep without a shepherd, many who need to meet you for the first time, many who need a touch of your love and blessing in their life. And Lord, you've called us to bring that love and blessing to them. So would you guide us in this pursuit? In Jesus' name. Thank mm-hmm. you.